For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading from the front and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, how have you been since we spoke a week ago? Yeah, really good, thanks, Dan. Um, you know, Spurs have been up and down a little bit, but uh, looking forward to getting this, this one going and chatting all things from the week. Fantastic. Not to mention, you are James. Sorry, you are joined by James as always. James, how have you been, mate? Yeah, all good. Uh, obviously, a big, big win for us yesterday, but I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll cover that in depth. We certainly will do. And also making her return to the show tonight is Abby Grace Summers. So, Abby, how have you been since we spoke a few weeks ago? I'm all right. It's nice to be back on the show with you guys. Um, obviously, nice to follow on from a win yesterday. So, um, all, all good in this in this end. I'm glad to hear. Right, before we take stock of the last seven days and the other talking points from the past week, it's time for the hit segment. Tell us about yourself. Now, Abby, you've already stepped up to the plate this season. So, I think I'm going to throw the questions to Cole this week. Cole, are you ready? I am, yes. I'm very ready, mate. Right, you should know by now, but let's start. So, Carl, when did you first start supporting Tottenham? For me, Dan, it's been a lifelong thing. Um, so, born in 77, I think my dad started taking me when I was three, um, around that mark. Um, so, yeah, pretty much now 43 years going. And I'll tell you now, Dan, it's taken its toll. <laughs> An old 43 <laughs> then, I guess. Yeah, definitely, mate. <laughs> OK, mate, so who's your favourite player growing up? Uh, for me, it was only one man, and that, and that was Lagod. You know, Glenn Hoddle, for me, he was my idol. Um, I just loved everything about the man. He was just pure class. And to be honest, we haven't come close to finding anyone, apart from Gaza, maybe, who kind of was a similar player to him. But very lucky, yeah, but he was my idol. And who is your favourite player in the current squad? I think for me, it's got to be, you know, probably a bit of a boring one now, but it's got to be Harry. Um, you know, he is just class, isn't he, and what he's given us and the way he's come through, um, you know, one of our own. And I think, yeah, the, the guy is just pure class and I, and I don't think there's many more to pick. You know, if Harry's not in your top one or two, then there's something wrong. But I think for him right now, for me, he is the best player, one of the best strikers in the world uh, and one of the players I like the most in our squad. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that answer. So... In terms of, I guess, your left-field love, who has that player been during your supporting stint of Tottenham? Do you know what, Dan? I'm never really sure why this guy was such a a, a player I liked, but it was Gordon Jukebox Jury oh, when yes. he joined us from Chelsea. Um, for some reason, I just completely loved the bloke from the minute he joined. He wasn't with us long, but I even, you know, even went as far as getting his name on the back of one of my shirts. Um, <laughs> I don't have that still. But it was a strange love because, yeah, he came from Chelsea. Now you'd think, oh, a player from Chelsea. Um, he wasn't outstanding, didn't set the world alike. But for some reason, I just, you know, took took an affection to him. And, uh, yeah, he was my sort of out-there player. My favourite story about Gorn Jory is the fact that he's, what, a Scottish international, so he plays for Chelsea. He says he's homesick. Wants to leave. So where's he going? Tottenham. Perfect. Moved moved down. Moved moved across London to Spurs. How about that? You couldn't get closer to home than that, could he? That's right. So, yeah, I think technically closer to Scotland, but not by much. Right, (laughs) Carl, great answers, mate. Thank you ever so much. There's some more questions for you coming up soon. So, before that happens, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect last week and more in full. 
As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming New Spurs app where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. If we're not on one, let us know. We'll get it on there and we'll all be happy. Right, let's get down to business. And that business, Cole, is a hard-fought win that's taken us to second in the Premier League at the time of recording, that is. So, a win is a win is a win, but there are certainly some questions to come from that performance against Brighton. Yeah, definitely. I think, as we say, we all take we all take the win because at the end of the day, the three points are all that matters. Um, but as you say, I think you know we do have some concerns with with the home form at the moment and the way we kind of play um, when we possibly go a goal up or that at home because we do then end up tending to suddenly all of a sudden get, score a goal and then drop off. And before you know it, we're letting the opposition back in the game, letting them get their confidence going. And we saw last night that, you know, again, you know, that sort of tactic nearly came back and bit us again, as it has in the previous home games that we played against West Ham and Newcastle. So, as you say, great three points, gets us up there into second, gets keeps them some momentum going. But there are a few sort of question marks and slight worries over the way we're playing when we're at home at the moment. So, James, obviously, before we dissect everything and get critical after such a showing, we should at least highlight that we're now six league games unbeaten. You know, since the opening day, we haven't had an L in that column. So, I don't know about you, but that Lanzini goal is still annoying me because without that, we'd be top instead. So, do we just have to move on and let that go and start to worry about the real big fixtures ahead? Yeah, as as much as it hurts, because it, it does hurt me too, and and see, you know, every time I get reminded of the the Eric Dyer handball against Newcastle, that that hurts just as much for me because they're they're two games that we we did enough to win, uh, and and just think where we'd be um, if if we'd got the three points in those games which we deserved. So it's it's a difficult one, but there's again there's no point looking back now. Um, I, I, I thought we were in for another one when when that that refereeing decision happened yesterday. I'm sure we'll go into that again. Um, but luckily, it, it didn't happen uh, this this time round. We got the three points that we that we did deserve, uh, and, and and further up the table we go. I think we've we've got to keep looking forward because if we if we look back, we're just going to get frustrated at the at the four points that we dropped with the two draws, and also that that loss against Everton as well, which has kind of been swept under the carpet a little bit. We haven't spoke about that much. Um, but yeah, on, onwards and upwards. Hopefully, we can win some games that we're not expected to win to to make up for for those drop points. Uh, and only time will tell whether those those results will actually make a difference come the end of the season. So, Abby, if you take this block of four matches that we're currently in, and we look ahead to West Brom at the weekend, it's currently seven points from nine. And when you consider that teams everywhere are dropping points with reckless abandon, shall we say, it goes to show that even some form of relative consistency is working wonders for those connected with Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, look, you can't really knock us too much. I mean, I totally agree with the guys, especially with with the home form situation. You know, we were completely in the driving seat against Newcastle. We had so many chances. And then, again, come back to bite us. And again, the same at West Ham. You don't expect to kind of draw that game, you know, with like 12 minutes left or something stupid. So it's definitely a, a, an issue in that department. But then you have to flip it and look at the positives. We've been pretty consistent um, since since that game against Everton, which we were really poor in. And it was literally whatever happened against Southampton in that second half, it just we just came out a, a different team altogether. And I think we've, we've been on the up ever since. So, you know, you're always going to have games where you're not, you know, you're not at your best and whatever. But as long as you get the points at the end of the day, 
that's all that matters. And obviously, currently in second, you know, while we're filming this, I think we, we might end up being third by the end of the night. Um, but it doesn't matter. And it, it's weird. It's such a weird time in football because everyone can beat everyone. There's no home advantage. Um, so if you've got any type of form, like like you said, just got to got to be happy with it. And we're, we're having a good spell and a good bit of progression. So as if we get that home form sorted out sooner rather than later, um, coming into the games we've got, then um, it's, it's all rosy at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, last night was definitely a case of, shall we say, points over performance. And really, fundamentally, that, that's all that matters. Now, if we've got a clean sheet, great. But again, it's just window dressing in the grand scheme of things. And Carl, we didn't get a clean sheet because of a scenario we'll talk about in a moment. But in terms of a penalty that was nearly given away, Matt Doherty was a bit lucky. Now, I think we need to have a bit of a chat about him because it's probably too early to make sweeping statements. But it's our podcast, so let's have one anyway. Is he perhaps failing to live up to those early expectations in Tottenham colours? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, it's funny you say, Dan, you know, I put a tweet out during the game yesterday where I'd sort of said, you know, I'm kind of hoping that he's still settling in. Um, and obviously, you know, I don't have no agenda against the guy because I think people on, you know, on Twitter, if you put out something saying someone hasn't really impressed you so far, everyone gets very upset and they think you've got an agenda. Um, but there's nothing wrong with calling it as we see it. You know, I was very happy when we signed him because I thought, yes, this is a real attacking fullback. He looked strong, looked quick. Um, when you saw him playing for Wolves, you thought, well, yeah, you know, definitely happy with this signing. And we thought at the time that we was probably getting a real upgrade on Aurier. Um, I have to say, from from the start he's had, uh, you know, the first game against Everton, you know, he, he nearly scored. Um, and you kind of thought, well, yeah, we saw a few good things there. Since that performance, I have to say, he really has put in just some average performances. And some of his decision-making in and around the box, and last night was a prime example, you know, do do kind of make you go, oh, you know, not too sure here. He hasn't had the best of starts, and we have just got to hope he's settling. He's still getting used to, you know, being at the club, being around everywhere, getting used to how Jose probably wants him to play. But I do think we probably need to start seeing a little bit more from him, hopefully soon. Um, because right now, I have to be honest with you, if I, if I was picking the team for the next game, I'd be very tempted to put Aurier back in because the one thing I do think Aurier offers is that outball on the right and a very attacking option. Uh, whereas I don't really haven't seen that much from Doherty, but maybe now that we've got you know Regulon on, on the left, maybe that's where we're going to focus more about attacking. And he might, it might have been asked to sit a little bit deeper by Jose, but I do think you know he probably you know we we're yet to see I think him hit the ground running and give the sort of performances that we've seen for Wolves. But as you rightly said, I think last night. I think we were very fortunate to get away with not conceding a penalty and even more so given the one that we'd got down the other end. You know, the minute you saw the replays that we were we were seeing and what VAR was looking at, I felt, well, this is going to be a penalty as well because you can clearly see he's got his arms around the attacker going into the box. Um, and I thought, you know, here could be a chance where VAR, if they really look at this, could go, well, yeah, if we've given this one at the other end for Kane, then I think this one's just as much of a penalty. So I do think we got lucky there. Um, but I do think Doherty, you know, we're just looking to see a little bit more from him because it, he hasn't impressed me that much so far. So, James, in terms of Doherty, is it as simple as a player who is used to operating in a three or a five and now is playing more of a traditional right-back role? So, I've also noticed that we're not playing that lopsided right-back shape that we had at the start of the season. 
So is it just a case, really, that he needs to adapt into a different kind of defensive style that he would have seen at his previous club? Yeah, I, th- I think it's completely different. You know, he's, he's gone from playing that right wing back role um, where he, he's just got to hug the touchline and, and get forward as much as he can to, to being a completely different right back. He's, he's an out and out right back, so he's got to be completely up and down. You know, he's, he's got to get he's got to get back as much as he's, as he's going forwards. Um, I think obviously it's, it's as Carl said, it's a little bit too soon to, to start slating him and say that he's not it's not the right not the right fit, not the right player. Um, but you know, in the performances that that Aurier has has put in since he you know he lost his place in the first team, I think there's a, there's a real battle going on there, uh, and that's coming from someone who's who's not a fan of, of Serge Aurier at all. Um, I just don't think Doty's really really done anything that the Aurier wouldn't wouldn't have done. Um, I can't see we were we were lauding his his uh, attacking skills, his his final ball, and and I haven't really seen any of that. Um, maybe it is is the role that that he's playing. Uh, I think he he is able to get get forward as much as much as he wants to, but it's just whether he's got the the fitness and the work rate to be able to get back to. And I think he's he's helped by the fact that we've we've been playing Sissoko in the side because you know Sissoko's one one of his main attributes is his ability to get up and down the pitch and his ability to cover the fullback uh, when when we are defending and if we, and if we're tracking back, then you can you can bet your life that Sissoko is going to be. Getting back there and, and getting across to, to help his fullback out, so that that helps him massively. And uh, I think there's there's a long way to there's a long way to go. And I think do you know what? There's there's a lot of football to be played this season. So whether it's Oreo, whether it's Doherty, they're both going to get plenty of plenty of minutes, and and hopefully they can both uh, contribute to the team in, in a positive way. Well, that's going to be the exact next point to Abby because it's hard to say who the de facto number one right back is at the moment. Maybe because Oreo's raised his game and Doherty's perhaps at a lesser level than we expected. But as James has just alluded to, with so much football, even if you do chop and change, it can only really serve us as a positive. Yeah, I I mean, I'm all for rotation. I'm all for having, you know, squad depth and then pushing each other to to be better. And certainly Aurier has, I think, felt that pressure and has come on quite a bit since since having Doherty in the squad. Um, Look, I'm not going to be too harsh on him. I think it takes time to settle in. I know, obviously, he's, he's come from another Premier League team, but it's a completely different team to what he was used to different style of play um so I'm not going to be too harsh on him he hasn't set the world alight but he's not offending me that much so I think that it just you got to persevere with it and we like like you said we've got so many games um it, it can only be a good thing the more game time he gets the more he settles in I mean we do tend to chop and change the back four anyway as it is so it's hard to always you know feel comfortable and get you know, hold down your position when we are always tinkering, whether it be at centre-back, not knowing who's next to you and things like that. So um, I'm not going to be too harsh on him, but I think it's a, it's a good thing to have that competition in the squad. And, and I, I like the fact that, you know, we've seen Aurier improve because it's something that he's he's needed to do for, what, two seasons or so. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm quite happy for, for that little bit of competition and then pushing each other. I'll stay with you, Abby, then, because with that point, can you also make a case where you need to, you don't have to, I guess, but pick the same back four where you can, because then that creates a, a, a case of like cohesion, continuity. Is that not a better thing than chopping and changing all the time? It is. I, th- I think that it's, with the amount of games that we have, I, I totally get the idea of rotation. I mean, sometimes I think he can potentially rotate too much. I think like we saw um, last week against Antwerp, I think potentially he did over-tweak that squad. Um, but I think that in terms of if you're a new player settling in, I think it's good to know who your 
who the guy next to you is. I think that's, I mean, obviously I'm not a footballer, but I can imagine that's probably what makes you feel more secure coming into a club and, and having that trust with your defender or ho- whoever's behind you or in front of you. Um, so I, I understand from that perspective why maybe he hasn't, you know, felt as comfortable as, or looked as comfortable as he did at Wolves. But I, I understand on the flip side of the argument that at the moment there is such a need to, to change and obviously injuries and things like that. But I, th- I think the whole issue is, is that I don't know if Jose... I guess you would say that his preferred defenders, the two in the middle, would be Dyer and Toby at the minute. But then for a while, I thought it was Sanchez and Dyer. So I don't actually think Jose knows who he prefers there at the minute. And I guess it depends on who the opponent is. I feel like that's why he changes so much, because it's very rare that you see the same starting eleven. I can't really recall, you know, when we've had an unchanged team. So there's obviously a reason behind it. But I think that that is probably where I'd let someone like like Matt Doherty off a little bit because if you are keep tinkering with it it's it probably doesn't give you that much confidence in who's next to you you've got to build that up over a period of time it's like you know the days when we had you know Carl Walker Danny Rose and you knew the centre-back partnerships were always going to be Vertonghen and and uh, Toby so it's like there was always that security there at the back and only when you started taking that out did it show a little few signs of weakness so when you started tampering with it taking Toby out of the squad putting Sanchez in and then that was kind of where cracks began to kind of show at that point but um I guess it just comes with the, the fact that he's still isn't quite sure. We've got that Joe Roden. Is he gonna? Is he gonna start? Is he gonna, you know, come into the squad and be more of a partnership? You just don't know with Josie at the minute. But um, with with the amount of games that the rotation, I think, is is needed. Well, with such a big squad, you don't really want players being unhappy for a lack of minutes. So I guess to a certain degree, you you almost have to rotate just to keep morale good within the, the squad itself. And also, Cole, in terms of personnel being switched. Lamella. Now, he came on just before the hour against Burnley and he started against the Seagulls. So were you somewhat surprised by him being at the front of the queue when there are, shall we say, quite a few <coughs> options in that position? Um, yeah, I think Jose likes Lamella, obviously, you know, and the one thing that we, you know, none of us can knock Lamella for is um, the effort he'll put in when, when he does play. You know, he'll give his all, he'll get up and down, he'll put the tackles in. And I think Jose probably really likes him for that. Um, I, I was a little surprised, if I'm honest. I felt probably the game was right to start Bow um, and probably give him his first start with that front three that we want to see, you know, Son, Kane and Bow. And I thought this could be a perfect opportunity. It gives him some minutes. Um, and the other shot was potentially more not starting because obviously we know he must have something on Jose. You know, he must have those photos <laughs> somewhere um, because obviously he gets a lot of game time uh, when, you know, a lot of the time you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, how has he kept managing to find a start in place? But, you know, Lamella does his job. He's very frustrating. I think, you know, I don't think you find a Spurs supporter who isn't frustrated by Lamella because he can do some really good things. But then obviously he can have a tendency sometimes just to hold on to the ball too long. Uh, you know, he's got the famous ball roll, you know, the foot roll that you see about 50 times a game when he plays. But, you know, couldn't knock him the other night. He, he was as good as anyone on the pitch, I felt, in the first half. Um, and, and we'll have to see. But I think the time will be coming now. I think we're going to see Bow start to step up that intensity and start to see him start a few more games. And I think then we'll really see that front three bed in. And to be honest, unless it's just going to be injuries or rotation, I don't see anyone knocking that front three off their perch for a little while, especially if they're playing well. James, did you think it was a bit of a surprise that Vinicius was not even part of the 18? Do you think that was down to injury or a bit of tough love from Mourinho? 
I think Jose said it before about about players not being on the bench and and not being in the matchday squad and things. That it's it's we shouldn't be taking it as a as a bad thing. You know, we should be taking it that it, it's good that we've got a big squad. Uh, these these are good players that, that are being kept out of, of the matchday squad because everyone else is playing so well. You know, there's quite a lot of cliches, but I think I think with Vinicius, he's he's going to get plenty of plenty of game time. He's going to be a massive player for us in the Europa League. Um, we've got a game that we now really we need to go and win on Thursday, and I think he'll probably start that game. So um, he, I think he's got thir- he always had Thursday in mind um, as as well as he's, he's managing the game time. You know, we've got a lot of football to play, as I say. Um, I think there's there's a lot of players who aren't going to get into the Premier League squad who are going to play a, a massive role in the early stages of the Europa League, and then maybe if we if we start to get further on into the Europa League, then they're going to have a big role to play in the Premier League. When you know, if if and when we we get further in in Europe, so I, I think we we shouldn't be thinking too much into it. I think he wants to send the message out that nobody's nobody's place in the squad is safe, uh, and I think that's that's a good thing. You want for, for years we've said that our bench isn't good enough, our squad isn't isn't big enough, that players in in the starting eleven and, and players in the squad aren't looking over their shoulder at, at someone. Who, who might potentially nick their spot in the team. And, and at the moment, there's only very, very few players who you could say are 100% going to be starting because because they're so good that they're untouchable. And I think it's a good mentality to have because if you look at what that did to players like Christian Eriksen, you know, he, he became so complacent. He, he, he knew that no one was ever going to take his spot in the team, even when he was playing poorly because we had no one with any crea- creativity in midfield. Uh, and now we've we've got... You know, a couple of players that can play in that role, and and it seems to only be pushing them on and making them better. So, if if Vinicius isn't, if he's not cutting it in training, and 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 Jose says so he's gonna go, he's gonna go with Lucas Moura or Bale as our as our striker on the bench, then it's it's only gonna push him more, and and hopefully Thursday we'll see a reaction out of him. Abby, of course, it was the perfect start for Tottenham as we were awarded a penalty when Adam Lallana was adjudged to have found Harry Kane right on the line of the penalty box. So, from an outsider point of view. You'd be a bit annoyed if that went against you. However, the laws are the laws. And I guess in that situation, you have to tip Harry Kane's intelligence in all of that. Absolutely. I mean, look, like you said, if it goes against you, you're so pissed off. But if it goes for you, then that's great. And it's one of those things like that Jose was saying in the documentary about what he wanted from his players. He wanted them to be intelligent. And we all know the other word. But... You know, that's exactly what you kind of want to see. It doesn't matter how you win it. You see, you know, Mo Salah um, the other day, it was, you know, in my opinion, it was a dive. You see Callum Wilson go down over absolutely nothing in the book. So, you know, Harry Kane, he's won it, he's earned it, and it's a penalty. The law is the law at the end of the day. Um, And why not? You want your players to be like that. You want them to, you know, have that bit of grit about them. And as long as you get awarded it, you can only go one of two ways. You either get it or you don't get it. So... In, in that circumstance it went for us and he's put the ball in the back of the net so sure Brighton can have the hump about it but you could also argue from the flip side is that should their goal have been allowed to stand because of the Hoiberg because of the Hoiberg incident and because of Graham Scott so that's where you know things like that it gone to VAR it's been checked and then the other one again went to VAR and then it's the referee's decision so I, I like seeing that from um, from Harry Kane I like seeing that from the team I think it's maybe that little bit of bite that I think maybe we've been missing you know, in previous years. So um, I'm, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Right. When talking about Kane, we need to interject now and chat quickly about Mark Ogden and Alexis Nunez. So in what can honestly be described as comments of incredibly poor taste, Carl, you think to yourself, this kind of chat 
is the kind of weak football Twitter banter, and I use that banter word very lightly in this scenario. Yeah, it's a real strange one, isn't it? I think, and I think as well, what's worse about this when you look at it is. As we've said, this is not from, say, just a group like us who are doing a podcast on Twitter or, you know, one of these fan sites that have gone off in it. This is actually what we call like a proper sports corporation who are doing this. You know, you're talking about proper journalists here or supposedly proper journalists having their input on players and games. And, you know, you're kind of hearing what you're hearing. And obviously what makes it worse is that, you know, these guys are trying to sit behind this excuse that, oh, that, that wasn't a conversation that people should have heard. Um, you know, that, that wasn't a clip that should have been aired. And again, it's a bit like, well, whether it's aired or not, the worrying bit there is, well, how many times over the course of a season or that when they've done these, have they spoken about other players in this sort of context? And we just haven't really seen it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, when you've got, a, a you know, journalist saying, do I have to talk about this mofo again? And, oh, well, you know, he's lucky he plays football speaking like that. You do really sit there and say, you know, that is something where I, I'd be very surprised if they keep their jobs because I actually sit there and go, listen, if I'm running that sports channel now, I'm saying, I'm sorry, you've left me no choice because we want to try and work with these clubs and work with these players. And now we've seen this. They're all going to be thinking this is what goes on behind the scenes all the time. And this is the way you speak. And I, I, you just couldn't believe what you was hearing. And, you know, that these guys can put their apologies out today, which are weak at best. Um, but, but no one's buying it. You know, you can sit there now and come out and say you're really sorry. You've got the utmost respect for Harry Kane. Well, clearly you haven't by saying what you've said. Um, and the apology is just there because you know you've been forced to do it. And now you're panicking that you might be losing your job. Um, so for, for me, the apologies cut, cut no slack. Um, I'm very much that I, I believe that, you know, we as a club sometimes can be a bit too soft in these instances, a bit like the Mike Dean incident a couple of years ago. Um, we just seem to sit back and let the FA, you know, give Potch a ban and fine us when we knew Mike Dean had clearly said something. And in my opinion there, we should have been fully at the throats of the FA saying, we're going to out Mike Dean here. So you want to ban us and fine us, go ahead. But be aware, we will out your referee. And given we all know he must have said something outrageous, we'll put you in a really bad situation. And again, this is a sort of instance where for me right now, if I'm the club, and I'm Harry, I'm going in saying, we, we're not going to deal with him no more. You know, we cut all ties with that company. A bit like, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson did with the BBC. You know, when, when he thought they were trying to say the things that they shouldn't about Man United, he went for him. You're not coming to press conferences. You're not, you know, we're not doing nothing with you after the game in terms of, you know, coming out and having a chat with you and giving you our view. And, and I feel as a club, we need to be stronger in these instances and maybe say, well, sorry, ESPN, but we're not going to deal with you or not until these two have been dealt with we feel efficiently um and yeah it's something where i think we should be stronger but yeah very very sad to see that obviously given the climate we're in at the moment um and those two are supposedly professional you know sports journalists this is it and abby when you look at the apologies that come from both those parties they say that they have the utmost respect for harry kane however if that's the case then why on earth are you saying such a comment as that 
I think it's so unprofessional. I mean, you can't have respect if your if your comments like that. And you know, these are supposed to be professional people, professional pundits. And um, I just don't. And I just think I think it's just so poor, just such poor taste. Like what you know, Harry Kane. He he gets so much criticism from other fans for some bizarre reason. I mean, he's a fantastic footballer. He's a fantastic person. The things he does off the pitch as well. When you see, and not only that, he's England captain. Like. I, it's just ridiculous, you know, the amount of hate he gets from, from from people. And I don't understand why you would take it to a level to start mocking the way he talks. You know, you're there at working at ESPN to be commentating and doing your job or be commenting on, you know, the, the player and the games. You know, you don't need to bring in someone's, you know, appearance or how they talk into it. I just think it's really distasteful. And I just think that you're in a position that so many people would love to be in and have that type of job. And I think that it's pretty disgusting. And they've, they've only apologised because they got caught um, and because that video was leaked. And um, I just think it's really poor. I think that they need to be better. Just, is, you know, if, if you're there to talk about a player, talk about how good they are, their ability, or talk about what they don't do right on the pitch, you don't need to go and attack someone. And I'm sure Harry Kane doesn't really care. I mean, he's Harry Kane at the end of the day. It's no skin off his back. But it's just unnecessary. It's really unprofessional. And um, look, whether or not they get sacked, I don't know. But the apology, for me, they've only apologised because they got caught. Well, that was the point I was going to make to James, because let's be honest, they are apologising because they've been caught. It's a case, really, of forgetting that you're not in your front room and being far too liberal with your own thoughts. Yeah, and I, I was I was just going to say, like, I'm obviously, I'm, no one likes calling for someone to lose their job and, and be sacked. And it, it's not a very nice thing, thing to do, especially in the current climate, you know, um, but in the, in this instance, there's there's no way that you can do something like that and, and expect to get away with it. Um, it. You know, we we live in an age where if if someone posts an apology on social media, that is seen as as enough. And and do, do you know what? It just isn't. Um, to be that shallow minded and that just stupid to 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 think that that, that is acceptable, uh, especially as you say in 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 a in a day and age like like one we're in where. We're supposedly meant to be championing mental health, and especially, especially blokes, you know. And and we we're still, uh, we're still hearing hearing stuff like that. It's 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 a bit pathetic, really. And and while I say pathetic, those uh, those apologies are just, you know, I, I think it was I think it was the the fellow, is it Mark, who posted that it was an accidental, it was an accidental thing that 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 was that comment was never meant to go out on air. Well, I mean, it, that that doesn't make it any better at all, does it? It just means that. You you were being an arsehole and and the world just happened to to hear you be an arsehole and I think yeah I, I completely agree with Carl it'd be nice to see Tottenham actually uh, actually stand up and and do something about this because there's a lot a lot that as a club we've let slide over the years I mean even I, I thought the Rudiger situation that that one just kind of fizzled out to nothing even though the club had been completely dragged through the mud uh, the fans had been completely dragged through the mud over something that was completely uh, completely untrue, and and that that seems to seems to have just come to nothing. Um, so uh, again, uh, especially the Mike Dean incident, I think uh, Carl's absolutely right. I'd absolutely love to hear what what was said then, but but again, Tottenham let it slide, and and you know the the absolute rubbish that comes out of the mouth of people like Ollie Holt, and yet we still we still make no no stand against them. Um, so hopefully Spurs can stand up for for someone who is. That one of their greatest ever players, one of the, the greatest professionals that we've ever had, and, and someone who should be being put on a pedestal as, as one of the, the you know one of the good blokes in football, uh, and instead this is what he has to deal with just because of of the way he talks. It's it makes no sense, and as I say, hopefully Spurs can do something about it. Well, you'd hope Spurs would, and I think Cole, 
the sad thing about this is that I think personally, people will go in the sort of grand scheme of things, oh, it's only a speech impediment. No, it will eventually get swept under the carpet. And I think these two people will probably keep their jobs. Now, if it was a racist thing, let's say, you know, like Ron Atkinson, what, 20-odd years ago, well, there's things that he said, and he apologised because he got caught, and look what happened there. So, you hope Spurs take action. Whether they will or not, you don't know. Whether ESPN will not or, or not, you don't know either. Is there a case of, you know, it's not a case of one kind of comment's worse than the other, but there is that also that sense at the same time. Yeah, you know, like as we say, you know, listen, as James rightly said, no, no one's ever in this world to go out and try to get someone to sack. But then at the same time, you have to take responsibility for things you've said. Now, you know, surely you know, if you're a sports journalist now and you know you're doing something that's being recorded, that you're all mic'd up, you should know right now, listen, say nothing. Because at the end of the day, you know, even when the camera's not rolling, You've got to be down the middle and, you know, you can't you can't be doing what those guys did last night because the bottom line is you have to know that, listen, if I want to be risky or say something I shouldn't be, then I might be getting recorded still, even though we're not live on air or something. And these things do get out. So I'm surprised these people let themselves get caught out. But it just goes to show the character, doesn't it? And that's why, like I say, the excuse of, oh, sorry, this wasn't meant to go out. You know, we have the utmost respect for him. When you're calling somebody a mofo and almost indicating that because of the way he speaks, if he couldn't play football, he'd be a, a drop dead and, you know, he's lucky he plays football because otherwise he'd be cast aside and would never be able to achieve anything. Well, you know, you're making a remark there that to me is just as bad as a racist remark going out um, in what you're indicating. And whether you like it or not, if you know, if, if you've been mic'd up in it, you should have to face the consequences and, you know, being a professional sports journalist with in an industry where those people want to talk to these clubs and get inside information and get access to players, you have to be saying, well, how can we keep you on now? Because we want to try and work with Tottenham and one day we might want to try and interview Harry Kane. Well, where do we stand with that now? Because he, he will just blank us and the club will be very difficult with us. Um, you've left us. You've left us with no choice. You've backed us into a corner. Um, it, it is sad. You know, um, but I say there's only one way for me that can be dealt with uh, and resolved in a way that all parties can be happy. And and those people, whether they meant it or not, they have to face the consequences of their actions, I'm afraid. Right. I don't want to give those two any more airtime. And when you consider that Alexis had her apology and had the gall just to switch off replies and not even really take ownership of it, that's just even worse, really. So let's move on. And, Cole, I think we need to talk about Graham Scott now because was that Brighton goal down to ignorance or arrogance on his part? Oh, you just don't know what was going through his mind, did you there? Um, You know, obviously, I've always said I can 100% accept a referee missing something in real time because the game is being played so fast, you get a split second to see it. He may have felt in real time he saw a touch on the ball and that the ball was won cleanly. I'm I'm happy to accept that. But when you then get told, I think you might want to go and look at the monitor here, you must then sort of have some indication of, oh, hang on a minute, if they're asking me to look at this, maybe I've missed something. And when you can go and look at it and see it from as many angles as we saw it, we only needed to see one angle to go, oh, yeah, it's a foul, clear foul. You know, the ball hasn't changed. The ball hasn't been changed. You can clearly see Hoiberg gets there first and the Brighton player doesn't win any of the ball. You're sitting there looking at it going, well, happy days. It's still 1-0 because this is going to get overturned. 
And then you start seeing him take more and more looks, more and more looks, and you're starting to think, this should be this should be clear and cut here, and this should just be one view. Oh, yeah, foul. You know, sorry, goal disallowed. And then when he's actually turned around and given it, yeah, you could tell by the commentary that it's a bit like, he's actually given this. He's actually given it. You go, you've got Eric Dyer standing there who can see the screen. He can't believe that this has been given when he's, when he's been able to see the replays as well. You know, it was just a disgraceful decision. And only he will know why he's still allowed that goal. And, and I still say to this day, I think, you know, referees like that should be made to come out and explain their decisions after a game, especially one like that which at the end of the day could have cost us two points. And, you know, you never know come the end of the season what that two points could cost you as a club altogether. So it, it was bizarre, you know, and that guy does need to, you know, he does need to be demoted, I'm afraid, because if, if you get that obvious a chance to rule a goal out for a foul and you still don't give it, then we've got no hope with him, I'm afraid. James, was there a sense of doubling down from Graham Scott? Because... He's looking at the monitor, he's looking at himself in the monitor, and you're sort of thinking, what on earth is he looking at? And then he goes to Dyer with the sort of the image or the sort of the justification of going a very, very slight touch, where even if that is the case, that's still a foul because Scheuberg's had been taken out. So, like I say, is that just sort of really digging in and thinking, right, I made this decision, I can't be seen to be wrong, so I'm just going to have to go with it. Yeah, absolutely, because, because there's, there's literally no one who's seen it who has disagreed with it. Um, he's he's obviously covering his own back, and I, I think this is just the state of the refereeing that we've got in this in this country at the moment. We've got referees who who are not accountable for the decisions that they're making. Um, if you know if there was going to be some kind of because there won't be, you know there won't be any kind of re, repercussions for for Graham Scott after this. He'll referee in the Premier League again next week, or, or maybe he'll get one week off and then he'll be back the week after. So. You know, you've you've got these referees who who are they're indestructible. They they can't be criticised. There's no kind of uh, there's no structure in place for for them to be punished for their poor decisions, and so they don't get any better, and they don't see any uh, any upside to overturning their own decisions. And I think the only way around it is we need trained VAR. If we are going to keep this this VAR system in place, we need trained VAR referees who who don't mind overturning decisions because you know you, you've got this, this, this kind of referees union where the VAR ref doesn't want to overturn a decision made by uh, by his mate on the pitch because w- the next week it might be roles reversed and uh, and and then you know they're in the firing line we, we need to, or there's this, a simple system which is the, the one which I, I think they use you know they use in rugby which is just put a mic on the referee. The only downside to that is, 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 you know, oh yes, kids might hear a bit of swearing, but it might also discourage the players from, from abusing the referees in the in the in the way that they do. So, it's 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 a win-win if you ask me. And then the, we can hear the referee if, if 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 there's some kind of justifying his decision. If he if he can say something that that makes you think, oh okay, maybe maybe he's got a point there, then. I'd, I'd, I'd respect it all the more, but there is absolutely no justification for, for the decision that he's made other than that he's looked at that monitor and thought, oh, I've, I've, I've made the wrong decision and I'm going to have to admit that I've made the wrong decision. And he doesn't want to do that because of these indestructible, egotistical referees that we've got in this country. And, and it's not going to change because, because they don't want to call each other out. And at the moment, 
it's ruining the game because you you, you watch some of these decisions that are being made and you you almost prepare yourself for the worst. So, you know, as soon as I see a goal scored, I, I, I you know, you, you have your initial celebration, but then you think, oh God, this, this could be overturned. Or you see what you think is a clear cut, straightforward decision. You almost prepare yourself for the opposite. You know, I, I go back to Eric Dyer at Newcastle, against Newcastle. As soon as that ball hit his hand, even though everyone in the country knows that that's not a handball, you're preparing yourself for it to be a handball. Exactly the same again this weekend. When, when, when that Brighton goal goes in, you expect it to be overturned. I immediately started preparing myself for, for that goal not to be overturned. And it just makes no sense because there's the whole reason this, this has been put in place. Uh, and yet, as I say, it's, it's the referees' egos that have taken over and, and they just need to be held accountable for their decisions. Abby, I guess the fact that Tottenham won in the end means that this incident will be forgotten by next week. But even with our win, it still leaves something of a bit of taste, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's potentially taken away a clean sheet. And I think for us at the minute, having clean sheets are, are pretty important as well. Um, but following on from, from what the guy said, I mean, they, they kind of said everything I was going to say. It's just, it, you argue about VAR and whether or not VAR has benefited the game and if it was supposed to. And I mean, I don't think it personally has because like like Jamie said, like you can't really celebrate because you're worried they're, they're going to see something and rule it off for like the slightest issue. And then the whole point was is giving some of the power back to the referees, which was taken away from VAR. But then when you see what happened yesterday, you know, VAR obviously said, you know, you need to go and look at the monitor. That's probably not the right call. He's gone to look at the monitor. He stood by it. And I cannot... I cannot understand what he was seeing because, I mean, any referee at any level would surely have known that that was a foul. So he's taken the, the opportunity and the time to go over to the monitor and he's still stuck by his decision. And that is clearly a pride thing, clearly. Or, you know, he, in his head, is trying to rectify the penalty that was given to us by VAR. You have to try and think of the logic that, that he must have come up with. But Unfortunately, it just makes you dislike referees and it just shows you the level in this country is so poor. I mean, it's so rare that you'd watch a game and you think, oh, actually, that was a pretty good referee that game. Um, uh, it's just it's a shame because, you know, they are pretty untouchable. You can't say anything about them. And like we said about the Mike Dean thing, I would have loved to have known what he said that day. Um, you know, to rob Pochettino up the way he did because he must have said something. And again, it came back on Pochettino. It didn't really particularly come back on Mike Dean. And I don't understand why we have this 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 way of, of the referees in this country where you can't criticise them, you can't talk about them because you're going to get a fine. Like, you know, their word is not always final when referees do make mistakes. So why should they not be held accountable for their mistakes? Why is it not taken more seriously? Whether or not Tottenham did or didn't win the game, it was just the fact that we did win the game. But, you know, there's there's decisions. It, it, going back to the, the back end of the last season, I think it was against Villa, um, Sheffield and Villa. I think Sheffield had a goal ruled out. Of, of, I can only remember they were yeah, playing Villa, one of the first right. games of the, re, of, of the restart, you know. And that could have been the difference with Sheffield finishing fifth, you know, and Villa going down. So it's things like that where you've got to, you know, you've got to improve because things like that are the difference of teams staying up, teams finishing, you know, in Europa League, Champions League, things, things like that. Um, the whole, the whole quality from VAR, whether it's at Stockley Park and the referees on the pitch, have to be so much better. I mean, this is supposed to be the best league in the world, and the officials and and the people that are doing the VAR on it as well are just terrible. Well, absolutely. I think it speaks volumes that you go back to the 2018 World Cup, there's no English referees. So you've got the best league in the world and arguably the worst in Europe at the moment. But, you know, we move on quickly because, Cole, one theory about Graham Scott and his lack of decision 
was the fact that both Son and Kane went down within seconds of each other. And there was a sense that perhaps Tottenham were going down a little bit too easy. So if we sort of move along from the actual Brighton goal and take our Tottenham hat off, do you think Kane might have been booked for what looked closer to a dive than a legit challenge in the box? Yeah, you know, like as you say, if we take our tinted, you know, Spurs tinted glasses off, we'd have to accept those ones in the second half. The, the Son one, you know, again, I think there's a slight brush in the feet, but is it enough to make Son go down in the box the way he did? Um, the only thing you can't say is when someone's moving at speed, sometimes it can only take a slight brush to kind of put you off and you go. So that one you could kind of maybe go, oh, yeah, 50-50 there. I do think the Kane one, yes, you know, he was looking for it. You know, he's touched the ball away from the guy and he's kind of already jumping before the tackle comes in. And and quite rightly, I don't think you could have argued too much if he'd been booked for diving in that incident. Um, you would have, you could have looked at it and gone, oh, yeah, sorry, Harry, you know, for once there, you know, you, 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 you know, you've played for it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to play for it sometimes, I guess, but... You know, if, if you're not touched, then that that is where we do say that does start bordering on cheating, doesn't it? And, you know, we don't want to see that in the game. You know, if players go down, we want it to be because they have been fouled and not because they're trying to con the referee. Um, but it, even still, you know, even if he has fought, well, you know, maybe you guys are going down too too easily. When you can then get the chance to go and look at it again two or three times, you should be able to go, oh, that isn't an instant where a player's gone down too easy, I'm afraid. Thankfully, James, things would come good in the end. And we have to talk about Gareth Bale now because there were questions regarding his performance against Antwerp and the other cameos up to that point. But if there was ever a timely goal being required, that was certainly the one. Yeah, and it, it's just such a major throwback to, to you know eight years ago where, where we, we weren't playing great football. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Bale would, would pop up and, and save the day for us. Uh, and it's it was a real nostalgia goal for myself. It was, it, it's it's obviously it's amazing to see him back scoring in a Tottenham shirt. I, I've I've already said it to to everyone I know that if he didn't score in in the two years or so that he's going to be here, I I wouldn't care. I'd still be just as happy that that he's just here. He's wearing a Spurs shirt, and I get to look at pictures of him wearing a Spurs shirt. But the fact that he he's managed to to score a winner, I'm I'm absolutely over the moon with it. One of one of the, my, my favourite ever players to to have worn the shirt, and it's it's hard not to to get a little bit carried away, you know, thinking that maybe he might he might go back to being the player that that left Tottenham. I think obviously that's a bit over the top, and he, he you know, but I think he's still got he's definitely got a role to play, and he I think he said that enough times himself in, in his interviews and things that he's not here just to just for a bit of nostalgia he's not here just to make the numbers up he's here to contribute to the team uh, and there's still still plenty that, that he can do for this team and and that is such a su- such an important goal because you know just just think at how how we'd be right now having been cheated out of, out of another two points in the Premier League after after that terrible refereeing decision you you know it, it it'd be a very different tone and i think we were we were talking about you know just just to briefly sorry go back to the referees i think we were talking after the southampton game where we when we found us about how uh, that penalty given it right at the end of the game oh, yeah. we, we said it's going to come back and bite us you know a decision like that it didn't matter on the day but it it could matter at some point and then the week after that we had eric dyer uh, against newcastle so i i, I think you know, this this is a similar one. This this one didn't come back to bite us because luckily Gareth Bale came on and, and, and did what he did. 
Um, but there's no telling that the, the next year, uh, next week, sorry, there might be a decision like that, which which does cost us three points or cost us two points. Um, so it's frustrating, but uh, you know, luckily that man Bale came on, and 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 do you know what? I'd, obviously, Bale's going to get all the plaudits for for the goal because it was a great header, and and Gareth Bale is is a god. Um, but that ball from Toby, and then that ball from Reggion, you know, that's that is a that's a absolutely class goal. Um, you know, with Ben Davis playing at left back, you don't get that delivery. I'm I'm, I'm afraid to say. So what a signing, Reggion. Uh, and and Bale, absolutely absolutely brilliant, and uh, and it's definitely put a smile on our faces up until Thursday until uh, things go wrong again. <laughs> yeah, we might get to that in a moment. But Abby, we've got a question from our squad member Holly, and she asks, do you think that now Bale has scored, the team as a whole will calm down a bit, and we'll start to see fluidity between him, Sun, and Kane, and hopefully they'll start all playing to their full potential. I mean, I hope so. Uh, he, look, he hasn't started alongside them yet. Um, so that's, I think, what we're, we're kind of working towards. Obviously, he chops and changes with Lamella and Lucas and Bergwijn, who he puts in there. But I think everyone's preferred choice, um, you know, once he's at, at full strength, would obviously be to see Bailson and Kane. There's no, there's not really an argument for it. Um, so obviously, him coming on, it's going to do wonders for the confidence of, not that he really needs it, but, you know, just to have that under his belt. And as soon as he's got his match fitness, ho- hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see him start maybe against West Brom. Just, um, just really depends how how fit he is. But I mean, there's there's no argument to have them three as your as your front three when they're in your squad because what a front three that is. I mean, even even like he said when he first joined, you know, he's not he, he wasn't a hundred percent. But even if you get a seventy percent fail, I mean, that is just what a, what a player he is even at seventy percent. Um, and I just think it'll be amazing once they have the link up. You already see the link up between Kane and Son and how they how they just are amazing together and their telepathy with each other. So adding Bale to that as well, it's just it's something to really look forward to as Spurs fans. Carl, I've got another listener's question here. It's from Jonathan Williams. And he asks, why do we sit back after scoring the first goal? It's as though we didn't take Brighton's offence seriously until they equalised. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that I think, as we went, as we said earlier in the pod, isn't it? It is something that's a slight concern with the home form. Um, you know, we've done it on a number of occasions now, haven't we? Where we kind of get the goal, and it, it does seem as though we suddenly drop a bit deeper, take our foot off the gas, and you know, you, you kind of almost feel it's a little bit like, right, we've got the goal now, that's protect it, rather than maybe saying, well, look, listen, we've got one. That's now go get two, three. Although, you know, against West Ham, we did do that. But again, for a whole half, we then sat back and invited the pressure on too much. Uh, and that is something that is a slight concern. You know, we do seem to score a goal and then think, OK, take our foot off the gas now, sit back, don't do nothing, don't do nothing silly, don't concede. But the trouble is, in, in this league, if you sit back, even the worst sides um, that even might not be playing great, have still got enough quality on the pitch and can bring enough quality onto the pitch that can suddenly, before you know it, the game has turned and the momentum's gone. The other thing, I think, when you slow the game down, you know, Gary Neville always says it, you know, it's hard to regain that momentum. You know, if you, if you take your foot off the gas, it's hard to get going again. Um, you know, it takes a lot to suddenly go, oh, hang on, we're in trouble here. Right, let's get going again. Um, it's not easy to do. So, It is something that I think, you know, we will have to get out of the habit of doing because I don't mind winning ugly and scrappy against, say, big sides, but we should really probably be putting, you know, no disrespect to Brighton, they're a good side. But given the players they were missing last night, we probably should have been able to put them to the sword a little bit better. 
or at least go toe to toe with them a little bit more rather than suddenly dropping so deep and, and almost looking a little bit nervous and worried about playing them. Um, we just have to hope Jose can kind of get that right. They hope they've seen it a few times now and go, listen, we're putting ourselves in trouble here and suddenly get themselves out of, out of that kind of routine of doing that. But, but yeah, it is a slight concern that we do that. James, do you think we also got away with the fact that Brighton didn't really have a focal point until Danny Welbeck come on the pitch? You know, no Malpay at all, no striker. Bit of a weird one from their point of view. Yeah, and I think they did actually play quite well as well, to, to be fair to them. You know, they've, they've got some tidy players and uh, and I think if, if Lalana had a, a, you know, a little bit of something to aim at uh, in the middle, I think he, he would have, you know, he probably would have found him at one point. But... Um, yeah, I've, I've always been a fan of, of Malpe as well. I think he's I think he's a very very good player, very smart, um, and I think he probably would have caused us a bit of trouble. But do you know what they didn't? And there's you know there's there's not much more to say other than thank God they didn't, and thank God that game's over because I thought we we uh, it was one of those games that a couple of years ago I feel like we we might have thrown away. Um, I, I, I was I was thinking about what I said on the podcast last week and. When we when it went to one one, I said that, that I don't. This is the reason I don't think Tottenham can win the Premier League, and that's because I feel like we 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 can't shake off that 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 uh, that label of being bottlers. And uh, you know, for a lot of the game, I was I was I was thinking about the fact that I'd said that on the podcast, and the fact that you know I was being proved right again. And, and thankfully, Gareth Bale came on, and, and I was proved wrong. So. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I'm, I'm more than more than happy to be proved wrong, but at the moment, I'm still I'm still struggling a little bit to to think that we can go all the way. Um, just because you do see us bottling games and bottling big points that that we should be taking. Um, but hopefully they prove me wrong because you know they they proved me wrong this weekend, and hopefully we can just keep the run going. Abby, I've got a task for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Can you sum up the Antwerp defeat in about 60 seconds? <laughs> well, lucky for me, I only watched the first half. Very good. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, sum it up. <laughs> like Jose said, if he could have changed the 11, he would have changed the 11. I thought it was pretty toothless. Um, I think we just were not, we just had no fluidity at all. Um, and I think that it's one of those age old things. I think that Tottenham turned up thinking that it might be an easy game. Um, but obviously it wasn't. And I think that they have to realise you have to turn up in every single game. You can't have any passengers. And I think that, like Jose said, when you know you give people the opportunity, such as someone like Delhi, um, you know, to kind of go out there and prove himself. Similar with Carlos, maybe he is trying to teach Vinicius a lesson by not including him the other day. Um, you know, you you got to earn your stripes, and I quite like that about Jose. But what I took from the Antwerp game is that a lot of players had an opportunity to kind of be like, yes, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm going to fight for you. And I don't think they took the opportunity. Fantastically wrapped up there. Cole, we were going to talk about Harry Redknapp on this episode, but we've run out of time. So there's an international break coming up soon. Should we devote the whole episode to that kind of era? Yeah, I think so, mate. Yeah, I think, you know, with, with the Potter chat this weekend, I, I think that could give us a really good episode for a special. And obviously, as we know, those international breaks are just a snooze fest, aren't they? So it'll give us something exciting to talk about. Perfect. Right. We'll keep our powder dry for now. To finish, let's do the predictions for West Brom on Sunday, which is at midday. So thanks to the Premier League for that fantastic scheduling after a trip to Bulgaria, wherever it is on, the, on midweek. But it is what it is. So, Abby, you're up first. What have you got for me at the Hawthorns? Um, I'm going to go 3-1 Tottenham. Oh, a big win away from home. James, what have you got? Well, I think um, a trip to the Hawthorns 
midday on a Sunday after yep. after uh, Europa League. I know where this that, is going. Yeah, you know exactly where this is going. It, it screams one all. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's exactly it's, that. If it was anywhere other than the Hawthorns, I think we, we might win. But um, yeah, I'm I'm going to stick with with one all just just for you know for history's sake. I think I think we we just we concede a header from a set piece and uh, and then maybe leave it late. But that's yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go one all just because I can't shake that uh, that feeling. Yeah, I match that. Carl, what about you, mate? Uh, I think we'll probably just nick it two one. It, it won't be it won't be a pretty view, that's for sure. Um, and there, obviously, you know, away there will be a tough game, especially after Europe in midweek. But I think we might just nick it two one. Fantastic. Right, so that's about full time. So I just need to do the admin very quickly, which is as simple as thanking the guests. So Abby, thank you for your return to action. I hope you enjoyed that one. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. No problem. Let's do it again soon. James, thank you for patrolling the middle of the park this evening. Very, yeah, it was great, great podcast, guys. Thanks for having me back again, Dan. No problem, mate. And Cole, fantastic work wearing the captain's album band, as always. Yeah, cheers, Dan. Really enjoyed that and looking forward to our next one, mate. Top man. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.